0: Hello, welcome to the You Can Try podcast. I'm Penny Wilkin from You Can Coaching, and on this podcast, I'm going to talk to people who share my passion for swimming, cycling, running, and triathlon, as well as anything in between. Today, I'm going to chat to Chris Knowles, who is a marathon swimmer and a cold water swimmer, and we're going to all going to talk about his Channel Swim. And, uh, go on, Chris, introduce yourself. Tell us about where you do.
1: You know your family work and you swimming okay um as ben is introduced i'm chris i i live up in landlocked yorkshire of all places um i've got a wife and daughter daughter's 14 and uh, my wife which i'll probably talk a bit more about later has just joined me in cold water and outdoor swimming oh actually oh go 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 jenny yeah will yeah. we'll, as i say we'll touch on that one later but you know my swimming my swimming started a bit late in life. Um, I turned to swimming in December 2018 because in November I made the crazy decision that to celebrate 21 years of having MS, I'd swim the English Channel because the shortest distance across the English Channel is 21 miles. So OK, I didn't know that. but That's where the whole swimming came from okay um it was just a crazy idea it was let's do something to celebrate and uh and a friend of mine just said well you've been watching that guy ross edgley who's swum around the whole of great britain why don't you do a swimming challenge and uh, that led me to say well all right let's swim the english channel
0: and so before that had you done any other endurance sporting activities you know and, and what sort of swimming had you done up
1: until that point swimming was nothing more than what I call seaside swimming, half an hour, 20 minutes here or there, a bit in a swimming pool, but not for many, many, many years. So swimming was the, swimming has always been my nemesis. Pre, prior to that, I have done endurance sports. I've done long distance runs, as in 100 mile cross country run over the Lake District. I've done adventure races, which from five hours to 24 hours to five days continuous. So I'm not new to marathon events. But swimming, I mean, I never did a triathlon because as far as I was concerned, I couldn't swim. Um, so I, I, swimming was my nemesis that I never I never conquered and never could be bothered to put the time into it. So that's that was the big sort of double challenge for me on the Channel Swim was, okay, if we're going to do this, not only have I got to start becoming a long-distance swimmer, I've actually got to learn how to swim properly
0: and what made you think you could do it given that you'd not done any long distance swimming or I guess yeah or anything
1: (laughs) particular um I've just I think mindset I've -hmm. got I've got one of those mindsets and those ways of looking at life which is you can look at all the obstacles or you can look at what do I need to do to achieve that goal that I want to achieve And so from the moment of thinking, oh, I can swim the channel, you know, people have done it before, so it's possible. Therefore, if it's possible, I can do it. Um, Okay. It it was just about, uh, you know, firstly for me, it was, well, you better find a coach who can teach you how to swim because having got no swimming background, I have no idea whether I swim properly or not. I likened it to, you know, if if you were going to pick up golf, very few of us would go out and pick up a golf club and start swinging it really well. You'd go and get a lesson. Um, and so it, it just never crossed my mind really as to whether I could do it. It was all about what do I need to do to do it? Um,
0: so that was that the first thing you did? You went and got some lessons.
1: Uh, the, the first thing I did was actually I went and got, because I, initially I was up in Yorkshire. Well, I was living up here at the time. I couldn't find a coach to start with so I actually just went and jumped in a swimming pool and went I better start swimming yeah you know and putting some lengths in and at least getting some (laughs) length fitness which is what I did Um, I used to be in a swimming pool at uh what time was it down there half six the pool opened so I would be in the swimming pool at half sort of six half six in the morning and just doing an hour swim or trying to swim for an hour before work Now, some days I'd manage 30 minutes before gasping at the end of the pool. Other days I could get maybe 45 minutes in the first sort of first few weeks. I never actually sustained a whole one hour swim. But that was me just getting in the pool and swimming with whatever technique I had or I hadn't got. Um, And then the focus was talking and finding a coach to get on board with me who could try and teach me. But. I mean, that was, a cha- that was a challenge in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was trying to find the right coach who could give me the right advice. Um, you know, I, 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 I sort of focused on one guy who had availability, could teach me in the evenings, it all timed and worked well. Um, he hadn't got any marathon swimming experience, but he taught me how to swim and how to, you know, to try and get my technique correct. And under he understood from triathletes about longer distance swimming, but he wasn't a marathon swimmer, shall we say.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're starting out with it, you don't really need any marathon swimming experience to teach someone. You know, if you can teach swimming, 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 right? Um, obviously, the more you get into it, the more, you know, sort of detail there is. But, um, you know, it's all front crawl, isn't it? Well, that's,
1: so, what, I, that's what I used to think.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was back in sort of, um, was it autumn 2018?
1: Um, something like that? No, that would have been, or, I, the coach got on board um, in end of January 2019. And, and you
0: did your Channel Swim...
1: August, In the summer? August of twenty
0: nineteen. Okay, okay, so it's quite a quite so, a steep learning curve.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the space of eight months, I went from a non swimmer to a channel swimmer. Uh-huh. Which, I like it. Which is kind of a little bit, you know, I've I've since found out that's a little bit bonkers. Most <laughs> you know, most people I've talked to since then have spent two to three years preparing to swim the English Channel. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden this guy called Chris turned up and like didn't really know very much and yeah, knew nothing about wearing earplugs when you're in cold water and just kind of got in the water and did what he was told to do and like go swim. All right. You know, and, and then all of a sudden it starts to come out that people have been training two or three years to do it. And I just kind of went and doing it. <laughs> um but but Yeah. yeah I think I think some of that comes from that as I said earlier that mentality of what do I need to do to achieve it
0: yeah but I mean also you did apply yourself to and you did talk to people and have lessons and practice and learn and commit and you know all of those things and yeah so you know I mean I meet all sorts of people and You know, I do meet people that say in January they're going to do an Ironman six months later and they haven't got a bike and they can't swim a length and, you know, things like that. But then they don't commit, you know, they don't apply themselves to the process. They just kind of make it up as they go along. And of course, then then it's a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, And, you, you know, like I always say, you know, one thing I've learned from being a coach is that people can do amazing things. And yes, there is a program, and yes, there is science, and yes, there is research, and yes, there is logic. And, you know, if you're going to run a marathon or do this, then you should prepare and you should train like this and you should do this many miles. And, you know, the science says that if you do this, this will happen, all of that. But in the end, people can do amazing things, and sometimes a lot of those things just don't, you know, you don't need to follow what what the book says or what the rules say or what logic
1: says, you know. Yeah, I guess I guess that comes into it where I followed the teachings that I had for how to swim properly from a technique point of view. So I had the earlier coach, and then you know, as you know, plenty. I switched to you three months before my Channel swim because I moved area. Um, but what I was also doing is joining the Dover Channel Training Club down at Do- the port of Dover, and yeah amongst them is a whole wealth of knowledge from people who have done many many different marathon swims and what you're saying about you know you you get the knowledge is I talk to everybody you know I was called a social butterfly because I didn't just have one group of people I was talking to everybody and you know finding different things out and understanding some of my own mentality so it's things like you know you we've talked a lot about the training here but One of the things I started doing in January of 2019 was I changed what I ate every day. And I made a consistent approach to this is the food I'm going to eat all year. This is my training nutrition that I'm going to eat. So when I was training during the week and through the week, I ate the same food every day. So my body knew where its nutrition was coming from. And that's partly from my long distance running stuff that I'd learn that if I learn to eat properly whilst I'm training, when the event comes along, it's a lot easier because your body knows what it's getting and it knows where it's coming from. So for, you know, for the best part of eight months of 2019, I ate a homemade chicken thigh dinner every day. And I ate the same, you know, the same breakfast. I had a massive bowl of porridge every day. I had a chicken dinner every lunchtime. I had a proper evening meal and all my training food. I played with different training foods. Um, But I narrowed it down within the space of January to one particular brand of um, energy drink. And then that was it from February on all the way through to, well, even now. But all the way through to the main event, I was eating the same food every day. And my body just knew where the energy, where to go and get its energy from. And it knew what was happening by whatever food I was drinking. Uh, You know, know, I knew, like, weirdly, I'd started drinking an energy drink as I finished work, heading to a swimming pool. And all I could smell was chlorine. And I've not been Mm -hmm. in chlorine, but my brain knew, oh, yeah, we're going swimming. Yeah. And I think that helped me a lot because there was never any problem with nutrition and never any problem with energy levels for training. Um, you know, there's always days when you just go, I can't be asked. But I knew I had the calories and the intake to do it.
0: So, go on, tell us a little bit more about the training then for those six months up to the Channel Swim. So, you know, just.
1: How often did you swim? How long did you swim for? Where did you swim? Um, all my training, January to March, all of my training was in a swimming pool. Um, at that point, I was living and, living and working up in Yorkshire. So uh, that was in the Huddersfield pool. My goal, and I don't know where this came from, but my goal was to be able to do a long swim, what, like, what is known as a back-to-back swim, so my, my target was by the end of March to be able to do three hour swim on Saturday morning, followed by three hour swim on Sunday morning. In the pool. In the pool. And it's a, 20, a 25 meter pool, 25 meter pool. Mm-hmm. And so I set off and I'd start, you know, January. It was just about, can I do an hour? Can I do an hour continuous speed? I started tracking average speed yeah, just as a measurement. Um And it was, can I increase the average speed time and still sustain an hour? And once I could do an hour, it was then the next goal would be, well, okay, you've done an hour on Saturday. Can you get up Sunday morning and do an hour? How easy was it? Oh, that was easy. Okay. Can we go faster and still get up? And if we could do that the following week where I went faster, felt like I put more effort in, I then started to increase the time. And all I did was work on distance. So I just kept putting time in, saying, well, we did an hour and a half last week. We're going to do two hours this week. OK, we've done two hours this week, but I was nearly dead. So I'm going to do two hours again. And then when that felt more comfortable, I then got to the what was in the head, a bit of a magic goalpost for me of the three-hour Saturday, three-hour Sunday. And that, that didn't come easy. I did 3 hours Saturday. The first time I did a three-hour Saturday, I managed about two hours on the Sunday. And was just knackered, you know, and, and just tired and going, I can't, I just can't keep doing this. And you, and you kind of get out of the water and go, well, OK, what are you going to do about it? Um, and I read, I, I read, a, no, I didn't read. There's a podcast by a guy called David Goggins. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that he says in there is. He said, you've just got to ask yourself what you're going to do about it. And uh, this is a guy who turned himself around from being massively 310 pound overweight American into one of the most elite long distance runners there is in the world and a Navy SEAL to boot. Someday I've mentioned him as well. Yeah. On one of the other podcasts. I, I don't know if it's particularly swimmers, but he's, he's just, he's kind of quite motivational. I mean, I, I coined the phrase from it going, what would Goggins do? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at the weekend, if I was feeling tired and I got to my two hours on Sunday the following week and I felt tired. And and I kind of like wanted to get out of the water and I just went, what would Goggins do? And I didn't answer it. I just turned and started swimming. And I kind of used that as a as an inspirational. Actually, this guy who, who turned himself into this elite person, he just didn't quit. You know. And I kind of had to bear in mind, I was really nervous about damaging myself. Um, yeah so you know during the week, the, the Saturdays and Sundays were were the big distance swims. but during the week, Monday to Thursday, Monday to Thursday would be swimming every day in the swimming pool. Now uh, it's the first part of the year, that was done. I found another pool that opened at half five in the morning. So I'd I'd get to the pool for anywhere between half five and six, do an hour swim. And that one was always about, can I go faster? Can I go faster? Just monitoring speed on that to try and just push myself, knowing that, you know, I was trying to apply some of the things i would learned when I did long distance running. You don't just go at the same speed all the time. You sometimes push hard and then back off when you want to do the big event. So I, I kind of used the Monday to Thursday as a push hard all the time, just in there doing speed because it's one hour. And then Friday was always a rest day. So Friday was just a day of do nothing and just eat ready for Saturday. That, and that was my first three months of training. After that, I then moved jobs and I worked away from home. And at that point, I couldn't find a pool to get in early in the morning. So I switched to the evenings. And then once I switched to the evenings and I was working away from home, I had loads of time on my hands and I changed my training program then into Mondays would be a technical swim. So I would just focus on technique and my arms entering as, you know, as initially David taught me, but laterly more focusing on the technique that you train me on. And I'd use Monday as a technique swim and then I would use Tuesday as a speed swim but that would increase distance increasing, um, time. And that would be up to a couple of hours doing more of a speed swim. Wednesday would be a, if I could squeeze it in a three hour swim of a, just a normal pace. And then Thursday would come back to a really easy pace, but still an hour and a half, two hours. The aim of that was to get out of the water on a Thursday, feeling really comfortable. I've just swum for two hours and I just feel like I've been in the pool for 10 minutes. And then Friday was always a rest day because I was usually traveling somewhere on a Friday. And as the season progressed into towards May, the beginning of May, the Dover club opens and every other week I used to drive down to uh, Dover on a Friday night and come home on a Sunday night, having swum Saturday and Sunday in the sea. Um, And that was my first proper serious sea training. Was, was getting used to waves and getting used to salt water and getting used to the fact it was 12 degrees and it felt bloody freezing. Um, that, go on, tell us about
0: your first experience of the sea then, uh, that first weekend you went.
1: Well, the first weekend I went, I got told I had to get in and prove I could swim. It was part of what we do as this club, is to make sure that you, can, you are actually a, a, a reasonable swimmer. And... Uh, and yeah, I jumped in and got in the water, and all of a sudden I'm in 12 degree water, having spent the last four years in 26, 28 degrees. And yeah, I felt like an absolute fool. You face hurt, I couldn't breathe properly. I you know, you kind of I'd do half a dozen front call strokes, and then have to come up and breathe heavily, and then you know, and after sort of 10 minutes. I got used to the temperature and I could swim a bit better. But that first day I did 10, 15 minutes, came back out of the water and uh, and Emma went, right, okay, get get yourself warm and ready. And then we'll get in the water again. And the first swim that we did was 30 minutes and it was 30 minutes swimming, 12 degree water. And you kind of went, okay, <laughs> I haven't driven all this way down here to do 30 minutes. But I, I, I just did, like I said before, I just do as I'm told. And I did the 30 minutes, got out and trying to get dressed after 30 minutes in 12 degree water. And I didn't I wasn't the quickest at getting dressed. And within 10 minutes, I was what I called. I used to call it the junkie rattle. I started shivering <laughs> and, it, and it's your body's way of warming up. But I, I was stood on the beach trying to put socks and trousers on while shaking. And I could hardly do it. And all of a sudden this lady came up, went, here, give me, lean on me. Let me help you. And, you know, and it was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like half naked covered by a down, you know, dry robe. And then there's just some random person dressing me. And I kind of just sort of went, oh my God, what have I let myself in for? (laughs) You, You just go this, you know, and then you look around and see everybody else is doing the same. And, you know, we sat there. And we were all then chatting about it and getting warmed up with hot drinks and thinking, well, that was hard work. That's that's not going to be pleasant. And then Emma walks past and says, five minutes, you're getting back in the water. <laughs> and, we all, and literally, I just went, you are having a laugh. Five minutes in the water. And all of a sudden, there's just this buzz of activity on the beach and we're all getting dressed into swimming trunks. And, you know, this is like swimming trunks, swim hats goggles on and you're back in the water and you do another 30 minutes and then you're back out and you're shivering and you, you start to go through this process and then that's it. You know, we've all sort of finished and we go off and on the Sunday we came back down and Emma says, right, you've got a choice today. You do two 40 minute swims or you do an hour in the water, your choice. And I kind of just looked around and looked at some other people i would met and we all went, should we do two forties? Yeah. All right. <laughs> None of us were brave enough to go for an hour swimming like 12 degree water. No. And, and weirdly enough, though, I didn't feel any different having done what was 30 minutes in cold water to doing 40 minutes in cold water. There was no, you know, the idea of doing an hour. I sat there and went, the idea of doing an hour when I felt as bad as I did on the first Saturday really sort of through me. And then when I did the second day and did the 40 minutes and I came out and I was just the same, I kind of went, maybe that's just the reaction you're going to get. It's not going to get worse. And so, you know, I did the two 40 minute swims, happy days, you know, drove home. But because I was working away from home, I could only go down to Dover every other week. Yeah. So by the time I went back down to Dover, there was no options about what you were doing. You you know, Emma just said, right, all you solo swimmers in the water, hour and a half. Now the sea's still only. The sea's still only 13
0: degrees. Yeah. Sorry, say that again, you just cut out.
1: Yeah, the, so the sea was the sea's still only thirteen degrees. It's not hot. Yeah, no, no. But all of a sudden, I'm having to do, you know, I've I've missed a week yeah. of outdoor exposure. Yeah, yeah. And so I've then gone, I'm having to get in there. And I just climbed in, did an hour and a half in the sea, and everybody was looking at me. And I sort of like talked to one of my friends and said, What's up? And she went, We all came down last week. She said, You've just doubled the time in the. Uh. And you don't look any different to when you were here for 30 minutes. (laughs) Uh, You know. And we started to then realize and start, I started to look at things and well, I just did what Emma told me to do. (laughs)
0: yeah well you didn't know any better but it sounds like you do all right with the cold
1: well that's that's what came out of it longer term you know we carried on swimming and then see you know emma has a plan she doesn't tell you what the plan is she doesn't tell you what your training schedule is you turn up each day the saturday the sunday and emma will just go chris go and do and she might look at you and go go and do three hours and, you, you know, she's built you up to it, but you go and do three hours and you go, right, I've done my three hours. She went, oh, I got it wrong. You need to go and do another hour. And it's messing with your head. But what we found as the season went on is that like, we'd go through pockets of cold water in the sea. And everybody else would be whinging and moaning. I'm like, did you not find it refreshing and nice? And everybody then just looked at me and went, what? I'm like, no, no, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that cold that cold sharpness, I said, it makes you feel alive. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I hate to say that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, people just went, you're odd, you are, Chris. Nah. But, you know, just odd in, a, odd in a really nice way. And everybody just was like, yeah, brilliant, let's crack on. <laughs> so um, go
0: on, tell us a bit about your actual channel crossing. Um, go on, you know,
1: tell us about the day in the swim. The channel crossing is... Uh, it's awesome. Let's start with that word. And it is, that is a brilliant word for it. Um, my swim was delayed one day um, just because of the boat. They had a problem on the boat the day before. And um, one of the most magical moments in my life, and I've done, I've done lots of different things in life, not just sport-wise, but career. One of the magical moments that I will never forget is uh, just before half past four in the morning, dropping off the boat um, and, and the actual, the actual swim, the boat takes you around to a starting beach, um, Sunfire Ho it's called. And they pull up cause I can't come into shore. And what you have to do is drop into the water, swim to shore. And then when you're ready, you give them a thumbs up and then you start your swim. But I will never forget that half past four, dropping into the water and, the air temperature was colder than the sea. So I dropped into what was warm water. It was 16 and a half degrees. So for me, positively tropical. And, um, you know, and that sort of swimming to shore going, this is it. This is what all this buildup has been. I mean, the actual day itself, I was blessed. The, the sun was out, the sea was calm the, you know, I don't know if there's a wind or not. I was immune to it. You know, generally if there's a wind, there's, there's waves, but it, it started at half past four on, on Sunday, the 25th of August. And, um, I set off and, uh, and I remember swimming just setting off in the dark. And for me, it was, that was one of the magic moments is seeing the sun coming up. And. Um, I, I know this from being along, you know, running, nighttime running, and and waiting for dawn to break. When dawn to breaks, there's something. I don't know what the word is. Internal. There's something Neanderthal that just kicks in when the dawn breaks. And I was swimming through, swimming alongside. You know, you've got a boat piloting you, but that swim and that start and seeing the sun coming up was kind of just magical, and it was a real. I'm just thinking about it now chatting. It was a real distraction to what I was doing. I, You know, it distracted me from thinking about the, the sort of mammoth task I'd just set off to do and just watch, you know, I was watching the sun come up every, whatever it would be. Every, I used to swear every other, every three strokes I'd breathe. So, you know, every six strokes, I'd take a look to the left and be able to see the sunrise coming. That was, that was a real magical moment that, just blessed me you know Mm -hmm. from that point onwards it was just about swimming um i got told off by the pilot you know bizarrely i can't swim very well in a straight line and at one point i thought the boat had gone off to like enable jenny and to get some pictures of me with a good backdrop and uh, i swam for the first two hours with no con not the boat was there but not really making contact with them and when i came up for my first feed The pilot said, you're doing that zigzag thing. Stay within 10 foot of the boat. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was me. (laughs) And uh, and so I did. You know, I just kept myself. In fact, he said to me, he said, you stayed within six foot of the boat thereafter. (laughs) Um, You know, and and off we went. The first two hours just flew by. You know, when when I came in and I I had a whiteboard on the boat that my wife would hang over the side or part of my crew would. And it had a big smiley face on it and the big smiley face was two things. One, it meant feed time, but I'd read somewhere along the lines about endurance athletes that were exposed to smiley faces performed a lot better through a, a given test than when they were exposed to sad and cross people. So I, I'd given my crew a, like a really simple instruction. No matter how you feel, whenever I whenever you see me, you have to have a smile on your face. You have to mm-hmm. be cheering
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um,
1: important. You know, and the smiley face came overboard. I went, Really? Is that two hours already? Um, uh, you know, and that you know what I had a signal to give back, which was to do instead of a swim with your hand, I'd do a fist stroke. So Jenny used to count two fist strokes meant I'd seen her. The smiley face had disappeared and then I knew to expect the feed bottle to come in. Um, and so that was that was the start of the swim. And thereafter, it's just magical. You know, the real highs of it are you look no matter where you are, you're looking around, and there's your boat next to you. There's a pilot boat that you have to have for safety. But other than that, you're in the middle of the bloody ocean. Mm? You know there are ships and stuff all around you. Things I didn't know, but I was told later by my crew that there was a boat went past behind me. And on the side of it, it said Airbus A380 on board. And it's, and and I said to him, I said, well, that's, that's ridiculous. That's a massive ship. And they went, yeah. (laughs) And he said, but the pilot of that boat, he said, talk to your pilot and said, have you got a swimmer in the water? And he was like, yeah. He said, well, I'll back off. He said, "I." He said, you can't wait for me. He said, your swimmer can't wait. He said, so I'll, I said, I'll back off and then you go through and I'll go through afterwards. And it's kind of like, you know, when you hear about that afterwards, it's kind of amazing that you're in the water and you are so isolated from everything. There's a boat to your left and there's you swimming and that's it. I never saw the big boat. You know, the biggest thing I saw was a ferry. And my brother and my dad said to me, No, that's tiny, mate. That was <laughs> tiny compared to the other ships that <laughs> were about. So uh, tell
0: us how long how long did the swim actually take
1: and what happened at the other end? Well, I was well, I was gonna say before we get to that bit, I was gonna say one of the I had a really low point in the swim. Okay. And I think it's kind of important to to share with, with other people, you know, the low point for me was bizarre. It was six hours in and I've done I've done seven hour swims quite comfortably. Um, and six hours in, I started to feel a bit funny and I started to go, oh, my shoulders are hurting. Oh, my groin hurts. Oh, my tongue hurts. Oh, this isn't good. You know, and oh, this is a swim over. This is. And, and I started to sort of feel the like everything was going wrong. And just about that point, I it was feeding time and I had a feed. And now my feeds took me 20 seconds. And that was best part of whatever it was. 350 ml of fluid packed full of carbs. But I'd I'd got my brother on board because you're allowed a support swimmer. So if you feel like but the support swimmer can only get in and out so many times and at certain points. And I, I'd sort of pointed at him as I was feeding and he knew that that meant he had to get in. And so for the next hour, I kind of carried on swimming, going, oh, this is all going wrong. You're not going to do this. It's all you're hurting. Everything's painful. And then I came in for the next feed, which is when my brother could get in and he got in to swim alongside me. And what I didn't know is my wife was watching and going, oh God, it's all gone wrong because my stroke had gone to pot. I wasn't moving properly. I was slow. She said, you you weren't kicking properly. Your arms were all over the place. And what she didn't know is in my head, I was I was having a self-talk. So my brother was alongside me, which just made you feel comfortable. You know, I'm not alone. That's what his job was, just to swim. He couldn't be in front of me, but it was just, there was a bit of comfort. And it allowed me to have a self-talk. And my self-talk said to me, are you going to quit? And it was like, if you're going to quit, you're going to quit now. Not in two hours time, not in three hours time. Not, you know, you either quit now or you don't. And it, and then it went through, you know, you're going to go back and tell Penny you quit. You're going to go back and tell Clive you quit. You're going to go back and tell the guys on the beach that I've trained with at Dover that I quit. You know, before I started my swim, one of, one of the guys down there said to me, you've got this. You, you know, you've got the heart of a lion, Chris. And it was like, are you going to go back and tell him that you haven't got the heart of a lion? And I got to a point where I kind of went through a motivational speech I'd watched, and it, at some point in that speech it says, do you really want this? And, and just as that was coming through my head going, do you really want that, this? Yeah. At that point, it was a feed time. So my brother had to get out, Jenny fed me, and I fed and set off. And at no point did I actually make a positive decision that I really wanted it. I kind of just got on with it. But at that point, all the pains that I'd got, my shoulder pains had disappeared, my groin pain had disappeared. The salt tongue was more than manageable. And it was only afterwards that I realized that what I was dealing with there was self-doubt. And that was my, that was my, what I call my monkey. That was the inner demon. And the inner demon was screaming at me. You've got to get out because you can't do this. You're not a marathon swimmer. You don't know what you're doing. And it was only sort of after the event that that's what I understood it to be. And it was all about self-doubt. I didn't believe in myself. But the moment I'd gone through that phase, after that, the rest of the swim just happened. Feeding happened drinks happened that i needed you know we we got to a point i got stung by a jellyfish and it just it was stung and i just carried on um you know and at the end of, at the end of the swim you, you asked earlier on this the end of the swim we were just getting dark um i've been in the water i finished my swim at 16 hours on the dot
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was it was a bizarre bizarre sort of time but i finished just as we were coming in to finish I um, I swam to shore, and it was only when I got out of the water did I realize how dark it had got, because I was still in polarised swimming goggles. But... The, crew, the crew decided that I was so close to shore, there was no point trying to swap goggles. I could get in on polarised goggles without any problems. Um, and you sort of finish the last bit, and they they put a little rib off the side of the boat essentially chaperones you onto shore because they can't bring the boat in. And, uh, and uh, you know, maybe 15 metres from the shore, um, Harry said to me, he goes, this is yours, Chris, go get it. And I just, I kind of heard him, but I just carried on swimming. And it took me three, t- three strokes of my hand hitting the floor. So my left hand hit the floor first, then my right hand hit the floor, then my left hand hit the floor before I went, I can stand up. Because I can, yeah, I've just been in that robotic swimming. And, uh, you know, and that's that's the second magical bit that you hand it to the floor and you realize you've just swum all the way to France. Um, you know, we got the bit that adds to that is the finish was hearing a voice go, Chris Noles, channel swimmer, magnificent, magnifi- you know, magnifique. It was a French colleague that uh, swims with a Dover club. And her and her husband make sure that either them or one of their friends meets every swimmer that comes to shore that's crossed the channel. Um, that's that's become their, their goal that they do. Um, uh, it was uh, Frederica. So Frederica was there and she they were stood there in the dark waiting for me to celebrate, gave me a little English flag to hold up and they took pictures of me and stuff. And you just kind of go how bizarre but how magical and you know i kind of felt really really humbled that they they were there because they made it a finish otherwise yeah it would... and
0: it's quite hard to know where you're going to land as well isn't it and when you're going to land so it's quite something that they managed to to be there to see you finish
1: yeah and, that, and that's the bit that you know one of the things you do as a as a channel swimmer and i, I learned this along the way is you you bring a pebble back but, you know, as a bloke, the only place you can stuff a pebble is in your trunks. <laughs> and so I was on, on, the beach, on the beach sort of starting to fumble and I couldn't see properly. So I took my goggles off and, uh, you know, Frederica was there going, no, do not move, dangerous. And I realized where I come to shore, there were rocks and seaweed. And, uh, and she was like, oh, the pebbles. And, uh, and so she, she picked a pebble up and gave me the pebble. And a friend of mine forgot to pick one up. So he asked me if I'd bring one back for him as well. And and it's things like that, that you then get on the boat and you climb into the the little rib and head back towards the boat. And bearing in mind, none of my family had seen me, you know, but from a distance, touch into, you know, land into France. And then you get back on the boat. And I said to, said to Jenny and, you know, my whole crew, said, there was no celebrations until I am fully dressed. Said, I have to be out my swimming trunks, fully dressed. Then we can celebrate and uh, you know when i got on the boat so like, oh, wow emotions are high i'm welling up here but when i got on the boat everybody had a piece of clothing in their hand and uh, and it just it was just for me magical to know that they understood what i needed and it was literally i got on the you know onto the boat wet trunks straight off literally clothed, clothed, and you the order to put me in, socks on, trousers on, jumper on, dry robe on, job done, woolly hat. As soon as the woolly hat was on, that that's when it was celebrations time. That's when you're just sitting on this boat and the diesel engine roars up and you're heading back to England and you just go, oh my God, we've done it. You know, and as much as I swam it, it's not, it's not me. It's not an individual, it's a real team effort, and the team of everybody, coaches, people at work who threw me out of meetings so I could go training, the pilot on the boat, you know, the crew on the boat as well, they all played parts all the way along and through it, so it was just kind of, you know, kind of a magical moment in life that I can't wait to tell my grandchildren. Mm.
0: So, go on. Tell us: Is there anything that you'd do differently if you were doing it again?
1: Um, I think, I think what I've learned is, I I think getting with a coach earlier and training, and I'm going to say here, smarter. I think my training for long distance swimming perhaps could have been better. But with the knowledge and the time that I had, I did what I needed to do. But that would be my that would be my one thing is to train smarter, have a bit more structure to it. I've learned since then that I could have done different sessions while I was training. So that's the one thing that I definitely would do differently. The rest of it. The rest of it, I'd stick with in terms of commit yourself to it. Think about you know, my nutrition plan worked like a dream. And uh, it's the, the thing to do differently. Definitely. And I'm, I'm still here, but it would be to train smarter. And, and, and you mean, so to have sort of more variety in your training. So the
0: time that you spend swimming has maybe more impact on your fitness.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that also maybe having looked at it and what I've learned, it, for me, it might've been better for me to have gone out and done a 10 K swim somewhere. Um, and you know, I had no idea what pace I could have gone at, but I crossed the channel at 57 strokes a minute at 57 stroke. <laughs> yeah. 57 strokes a minute yeah. for 16 hours. It never faltered. It never changed. And what that tells me is I never got tired. So I either swam really efficiently, which I doubt it, knowing how where my swimming was, but what it also said to me was I could have gone, I could have pushed harder, but I didn't know I could push harder. So I Yeah. I, you, know, you only
0: know those things from experience, don't you really?
1: Yeah. And that's the bit that you know, my longest sort of swim at a weekend would be a Saturday. I'd do seven hours followed by a six hour swim on a Sunday morning. And they were hard but they were hard and what gave me the confidence in the end that I could do it. But what I never knew was how hard I could push for how long, because I, I I didn't have time to fit all of that into a training plan of eight months. I had to get fit to swim, choose a pace I could swim at and, and nail it. And that's what I did. So I think, more time to train with different pace, different structure, different events, try and do a few longer events and say, well, okay, I did that. And I still felt really good at the end of it. Right. Now you've got to find a way of upping the pace. You know, I knew nothing about tempo timers or I knew nothing really about counting stroke lengths and setting my own objectives between, let's say boys in the sea of counting. Well, I did 30 strokes. Well, can you do it in 15? Can you do it in 20? Can you do it? You know, I had none of that knowledge that I've since gained, and I think that would help with a, anybody doing it. Is just training smarter for it.
0: And any tips or recommendations, you know, advice for someone thinking of doing a solo channel swim? Um,
1: advice: Just do it. Just do it. Uh, you know, be aware of you're in a demon. But if you're thinking of doing it, my advice to you is you can do it. The one bit that I carried away from this, and I I carry it through life now, is the inner demon. I thought I dealt with my demons in all my training. What the channel swim pulled out of me was this lack of self-belief. Now, I say it pulled that out of me. That was the demon that I just didn't face. I knew that all the way through the season and some of my bravado of, Oh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll walk out the other side was all masking the fact that I didn't believe in myself. So as much as, as much as the swimming is important, a lot of the channel swimming is all about mental preparation. Are you mentally prepared to get in the water and people do it in, the fastest person has done it, I think, six hours, 45 minutes. Now, other people have done it in 10, 12, 16, 19. I think the longest is 24 hours. Anybody who's doing that marathon swim, it's all about mental conditioning. So my advice to anybody would be, yes, fitness is important. Don't ignore the mental aspects of how are you are going to deal with being in the water for however long 16 hours let's call it 24 hours how are you mentally going to keep yourself ticking over not not heading down a rabbit hole not destroying yourself but also when things are a bit you know maybe the sea might be a bit rough or you might feel a bit ill or as i had spurious muscle pains what technique are you going to have to call upon when that happens you'll think you've dealt with all your demons but the channel across in at some point will find a demon that you haven't dealt with and it'll be the one you don't want to face and it'll be the one you don't want to deal with so give yourself enough time to prepare mentally for when the low point happens what's your strategy
0: okay cool and so what have you been doing
1: since the channel? You know, what are your swimming goals? What have you been working towards? Um, well, we touched on this earlier about liking cold water. So after the channel swim, uh, one of the guys said to me, said, well, look, you've always enjoyed the cold water. So why don't you do an ice mile? I know. What I said. And what's an ice mile? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's swimming a mile in water that is... degrees or less. So this isn't a distance challenge. This is a physical, a real sort of physical and mental challenge. So I I set about doing that because I kind of went, well, I like the cold water, so why not? And uh, I set about doing that by just continuing to train, you know, bizarrely, I, I swam the channel on the Sunday, Monday was bank holiday I drove back to where I was living, went to work on Tuesday morning. I left work on the Tuesday afternoon, evening, and on autopilot, just drove straight to the swimming pool and, and, you know, and I went swimming. I just went and did the half an hour in the pool and really enjoyed it. And that was it. I just, that was me back into the routine of training and swimming. So what I did is uh, the Irish mile is all about cold water exposure outside. So I trained in a yeah, last winter, you swam all winter outside, swam all winter um, and I got down to 5.1 degrees. And then the water started to warm back up. We never got to do the ice mile because the water didn't get cold enough. Um, so I've had to I've had to sort of accept that that one last winter got shelved and was like, well, OK, we'll come back to that now um and I've just been training again through this winter um I mean if COVID hadn't happened my I was going to swim around Jersey so I would have done that Last yeah I would have done that but COVID struck and stopped us from doing things like that um so I've kind of paused on that one and what I'm going to do at the moment is I'm still cold water exposure and training for the ice mile the organized places aren't doing it, but I've read all the rules and I know what I've got to do to record it myself. Um, we've just got down to 4.5 degrees. So the problem I've had at the moment is I've had a sinus issue, so I can't actually do the full full training. So hopefully that's going to disappear seeing the sinus problems. And uh, I'll get to do my smile. The next focus after that is I'm not going to do the round jersey. I'm going to concentrate my effort onto the North Channel. And the North Channel is similar to the English Channel. The seas are a bit rougher. It's colder. It, There's more no jellyfish. Two to three degrees colder. So this could be spending, you know, let's let's make no qualms about it. It could be another sixteen hour swim for me. Hopefully it'll be less because I'm better and I'll have trained smarter for it. Um, but it will be in water that's probably around 13 degrees. So it's going to be a lot more of a physical sort of mental challenge of, you know, facing the cold for a long time. So that's, that's where I'm heading to is, is to focus on that. But then I had a zoom call with a load of old mates of mine. Some of them I haven't spoke to for maybe 10, 15 years. How one of them lives on the Isle of Man and went, "Oh Chris, why don't you come over here and swim around the Isle of Man?" Yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> and you kind of go,
0: "Is that something people do? People do
1: that? I've never heard of anyone doing it." Um, they have done. It has been done before. Okay. It's, it's a multi-day event yeah. because it's eighty it's... miles round the round the island. Yeah. So I, but I did some rough numbers and went, "Well, if I'm fit and I'm good." And if I can cover, if I did it six hours on, six hours off with the tide, because that's the other problem, the tide will be yeah. against you. So you're gonna have, to, I'm gonna have to watch that. But I looked at it and went, if I did six hours on, six hours off, I reckon four days of doing that, and I should be round the island. So I kind of went, oh, that would make for a good, good holiday at some point, wouldn't it? <laughs> good holiday for you. What about the family? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about that one another time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm up for that.
1: That sounds cool. I'm in. So, yeah.
0: Any crazy swim challenges, then yeah, yeah, you know. And anything like multi-day or A to B or around something, you know, I always find, um, I don't know, motivating,
1: inspiring. I, um, I just kind of looked. It, it was never even on my radar. I would never even thought of it. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's Dempsey's fault. And he just went, well, the guy did it. He said it took him loads of time because he did it at weekends. He said, but he's just yeah. around it all. And he, says, he said, why don't you come and do that, Chris? He says, you catch up with me on the island, he said, and, and swim around the island. I'm like, oh, I didn't, didn't want to hear that. <laughs>
0: cool. Well, on that note then, so you've still got lots of exciting marathon swims on your agenda. You've definitely still got the cold water marathon swimming bug. So... We're going to look forward to hearing more about all these crazy adventures in the future. So, yeah, on that note, thanks very much for coming on the podcast.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, Penny.
0: That's it, folks. Thanks very much for joining us. We hope you found some of that useful, and we'll look forward to you joining us on next week's episode.